right. What a good way to start us off. We have a lot to celebrate, really. And you know, it's, you know, it's uh, just a great compliment to our kids' ministry. You see something like this, you think about a year ago, uh, we just opened up. We held back our Vacation Bible School signups because we just weren't sure how many spots we could open up with the construction coming and things like that. When we finally opened them up, uh, they sold out like in a week. There were moms crying, ah, I didn't get my kid in. So we were able to open up some more spots. But I, like literally within days, I think there's about 500 people that have already registered for, for our Vacation Bible School. So you can see you guys have done an amazing job serving and caring for our kids and loving them. And thank you for that. Uh, we have 16 that are being baptized today from the Fountain Valley campus uh, down at the beach. So if you want to come down to the beach today at 3 o'clock down uh, Tower 17, uh, straight down Beach Boulevard, 16 people. We've seen a number of things happen during this, this series. People uh, responding uh, their life in faith uh, to Jesus. It's been really exciting. Uh, and just one quick thing I want to say uh, to this group. Next Sunday... After the second service, so some of you, uh, uh, I know, stay for like uh, Bible studies and things like that. But right after the 945 service, about 11 o'clock, we're going to have a short little reception on the patio to remember and celebrate uh, Jason Hickey. Uh, Jason's uh, in a transition uh, as he's moving in ministry, and you'll hear a little bit about that next week. So uh, details are in your bulletin. But uh, it's important for us to remember and to celebrate. Uh, years ago, Kim and I were in this uh, uh, in kind of intense marriage counseling time. It was kind of pre-pastoral marriage counseling. They put us like in this uh, intense couple days together to just see if we could handle the rigors of, of pastoral ministry. And one of the things that came out in that time was I was confronted because I don't remember and celebrate very well. And so one of the things that they, the, the counselor said is, Bill, you've got to, stu- you got to slow down. You've got to stop. And when special things in your, especially special things in your family, you have to stop and celebrate. You can't have the, the mentality of, well, birthday, happy birthday. There's going to be another one next year. And let's just kind of keep going. We've got, we got to drive through. We've got things to do. She, she really confronted that this was an important part of, of that. And so... Uh, I, so I've learned that. So even last week, last week, uh, my wife and I flew back to Chicago. We got a chance to uh, celebrate with our son who graduated from college. It was exciting. Um, yeah, you can clap for him. He did a good job. Uh, but it was really, it was really fun. We, we just to be there and to watch this. Uh, uh, we got to go up to, uh, we, we decided let's make this special. So we went up to the signature room. It's uh, uh, I, one of the tallest buildings. So you can see we had dinner together. You're overlooking the Chicago skyline. Uh, very expensive dinner. Uh, but with, but you know, if you graduate college with no debt, you get a nice steak dinner. So, uh, so we gave him that. But it was important to sit down to remember and think, wow, what a journey the last four years have been. It was important to celebrate what a blessing that God has given us and our son. What a blessing God has given us in this opportunity for him to study at Moody. Uh, what a blessing of, of his calling and ministry. Uh, there was so much. It was important to stop and to remember and celebrate. And so that's our purpose today because we have been on a rather epic journey. 31 weeks through the story, 31 chapters that we've looked through, 31 key stories uh, together. I don't know that there's been a longer series. I'd have to ask some of you Huntington Beach uh, uh, original folks if, uh, what, what the longest series was back in the day. But I can th- I've been here over 30 years. I can't remember a series this long that we've ever done, 31 weeks. I know I certainly have never done anything quite like it. Uh, and, and each week we've been trying to think through things like 
uh, these important stories, these important stories in the Bible and seeing the way that they're all connected together to tell one bigger upper story. These lower stories tell this upper story. And then the fascinating thing is, as we're, we're not just spectators, we're not just history buffs learning about what happened long ago. What we're finding every week is that our lives are being drawn into the story, that our story and God's story are meant to be lived together. And so today what I want us to do is I just want to, I want to take us back through some of the key themes that we've hit on, things that we saw reoccurring time and time again. So here's our big idea of our time together today. Uh, well, here's what we've seen. I think this is a great big idea when we think about uh, the story, that we were created to know God and be partners with him in life forever. You were created to know God, not know about God, not know things uh, about God, but to know God. In fact, the biblical words, when we think of the Hebrew words of knowing, it's, a, it's incredibly intimate. In fact, it's, it's words that we see that uh, tie about the, or, or communicate the, the marriage relationship. It's incredibly intimate. You were meant to know God. You were meant to be in relationship. You were meant to share. You were created. Think about this. You were created to share your life. But if we think about the creation intent, it, it is so much more than us sharing our life with God. Think about how special this is. God created you because he wants to share his life with you. If we think about this very beginning, remember, the story is the story of God. In the beginning, God, and then we start seeing the story. So in the beginning, God is self-fulfilled. He is, he is completely a father, son, spirit. Uh, there's complete unity, complete love, complete contentment. And so why does God create us? Because there's something missing? He's just lonely in the heavens? No, he creates us out of love. He creates us for relationship. He creates us so that he can share his love, share his glory with us. You were created for this life with him. And what we see is this, this powerful thing that he's created us with this powerful sense, this, this freedom to choose to love him. And we know with, with this freedom comes rebellion. And we see that even as we've pushed away from God, that the story has been, most of the story has been, God's relentless pursuit of us. You were created to experience the abundant life of God eternally. Uh, you, you, when you think of eternal life, think of, it is so important to remember that eternal life means never-ending life. And sometimes for us, we're, we're just so fixated on this life with God is going to begin someday when I die or someday when he comes again. No, you were created to experience that life, that abundant life that Jesus says now. And that life is never going to end. And so it only can get richer and richer and richer. And so here's what I want to do this morning. I want to take you into this great passage, Luke 24, uh, verses 44 to 49. Luke 24 if you'll turn there, and there's a Bible in front of you if you need one, uh, page 1061. This is, this is one of those passages that we look at at Easter time. It's one of the classic Easter texts. But I want you to listen to us and think of how powerful this moment was, but what Jesus wanted to show them. He wanted to have a teaching moment in this time. It was, it was a rather uh, exciting time. And so as we think about this, Imagine again what it must have been like on that day, on, on that, that Sunday. So there's, there's stories circulating in the room. 
the women have seen him. There have now these two men have come back. There's talk about how Peter's so so the room is buzzing. And, and as you're in that room, if you could almost picture yourself being in the upper room that night, it, it, you know you, the hair on your arms is kind of standing on in a little bit because there's something you know something's up, something's happening, and and you're turning and you're asking people about, wait, how did it happen? What did it ha-? and everyone's kind of turned towards each other, and there's kind of confusion in the room, and then you hear his voice, Shalom, peace be with you. And when you hear in that moment, you are just taken back because you know that voice. Remember, he said, my sheep will know my voice. You hear his voice and you turn and you see him. And the first thought in your mind when you see him is, it's a ghost. We're, we're, we're having the, and then you realize we're all having this vision together. We're all seeing him together. And Jesus realizes what you're feeling. And he says, slow down, calm down. You know. Ghosts don't have flesh and bones like you see I have. And he begins to kind of just calm your fears a little bit. And then he says the most interesting thing. He asks, does anybody have a fish? Is there any food here to eat? And everyone starts scrambling together as they start moving around. And the hospitality breaks out. And they break out a meal. And you are about to sit in on the best Bible study you have ever sat. Forget the food. You can barely, you're not interested in any food. You're not interested in eating. You're just interested. You're hanging on every word of this Bible study. This is the best Bible study that's ever been given. And Jesus says this to them. He said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. And then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead. And on the third day, on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all the nations, beginning at Jerusalem. So here's the first theme I want you to see that Jesus, so think about what Jesus is doing. He's sitting down. And he's going to do in one Bible study what we've done in 31 weeks. He's going to explain to them the story. He's walking them through the story. And I don't know how long that night went. But notice the first thing that we see here is that God's story is about how he stops at nothing to pursue the people he loves. It's about how he stops at nothing to pursue the people he loves. It is his story. It's about him. But it's about his relationship with his people. Our story and his story are embedded together. We were, we were created with purpose to govern, to represent God. And when we failed, we were banished from the garden. But we were not banished from his love. And so we see right away God begins this plan, begins this relentless pursuit of the people he loves that they might Know him. And, he, and notice what Jesus does. It says that through the law and the prophets and the Psalms. So, what Jesus is doing in that moment is he's taking their Bible. Their Bible at the time was the Old Testament. And notice what he's doing. He's walking them through the, their whole Bible and he's helping them see to that moment, understand how it was all leading to this, how, this, how he fits into all of this. That he's not this cosmic kind of accident or this moment of panic in the heavens, but that God has been working towards this time. 
This is very similar to what Jesus was doing with the, the two men on the road on the, on the story right before this. Luke 24, 27 says, notice he did the exact same thing, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, in essence, trying to say, going through the whole Old Testament, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. So think about this. He begins to walk them through, and they're, they're thinking about the garden. And they're thinking about Adam and Eve and this creation intent to know God, how he would, God would walk through the garden with them. And that the, the way that this was, was broken down and the, the, the way that God began to work, he made a people. They begin to think about Abraham and the promise of Abraham. And, and through Abraham, all the nations would be blessed. They think about Moses and God as, as their deliverer, redeeming them. He brings them into a promised land. They are to be a witness to the nations, to the goodness of God. All throughout, we see that the people of Israel are meant to be people who would shine and show the glory of God. So that when nations would come and see them, in living in the blessing of God, they would say, who is your king? We want to know your king. How are you so blessed? We must know your king. And they would say, Yahweh is our king. God is our king. And the tabernacle and the temple and this way that God wanted to dwell right in the middle of their lives. But through Adam and Israel and kings, as all of them tried to fulfill God's purpose, ultimately we see that it would require the Son of God to come. That he would come. He would be the Messiah, which means the king. He'd be the king, and and unlike any king, he'd be the king who would give up his life for his servants. And Jesus is walking them through all of this. And remember, maybe he even takes them through one of these moments, where one of these teaching moments, and he reminds them of these words. Remember these words that he had said so much earlier? He said this to explain it. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. You were created for a relationship with God, and God has relentlessly been pursuing you for that relationship. You have such value to the creator that he, Jesus says that he would send even his one and only son It's not that he could pick one son and he could lose one son, but he would send even his one and only son so that you could know God forever. Have you experienced this relentless love for yourself? I want to give you a moment to pause to to remember and celebrate. When I I do a wedding, um, one thing I'll do when I show up early uh, at the venue or here uh, wherever it is, is I'll, I'll meet separately with the bride and the groom, and I'll, I'll ask them to do, do something for me. I'll say, do this. I want you to take a little journey with me. I want you to go back to first glance, first date, first kiss. They always giggle. Uh, first I love you. Proposal. I, I just want you to kind of walk down that path for me. Just mentally, because I want you to get your head and your heart kind of into this moment because this is, this is, a, this is a big moment, but, but there's been a lot that's kind of been leading up to it, and there's decades that are going to go on from this moment. 
So if I were to ask you this morning, first glance, you first kind of got it. First sense of I'm loved. The proposal, will you follow me? The acceptance, Jesus, you have my life. Maybe even some of the rocky things along the road. What would it look like? What would you write down? I'm going to give you permission to do something. This is a dangerous thing for pastors to do, but I want to give you a permission to daydream. Now, some of you, let me just bring you back from your daydream. Here's where we're at. But I want to give you permission just to think through that. Let your brain wander a little bit. And I want you to think back those moments. And I want you to, to not just to remember those, but to say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for the ways that you pursued me. Times that I didn't pursue you, but you were pursuing me. You were created to know him and be in relationship with him. And the story is about how he stops at nothing to pursue the people he loves. Now, as he's telling this story, as you're daydreaming, let me keep going. But think about this. Imagine relearning. It says he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. So imagine relearning, rethinking the scriptures in light of Jesus. And you're thinking about things in a whole new way. And he's telling the different stories. And you become mindful of, wow, you use some interesting people for your stories. So here's the second thing I want you to see is this. The second thing I want us to write down is that God tells his story through unlikely people. Through unlikely people. You're listening to the story of Abraham and he's describing how Abraham lied. And didn't trust. Or he's telling the story about Moses who killed an Egyptian and uh, who was reluctant to be a leader and who stuttered. And he goes on about David who cheated and lied and killed and on and on. And for 31 chapters, haven't you noticed that? That every single week, one of the people we're looking at, you look at and go, why in the world did God pick this person to be the person to tell his story through? And we see this theme that God tells his story through unlikely people. Every chapter, Abraham and Sarah, an elderly, unfertile, infertile couple who God decides to start a nation with. Moses, who is supposed to be a spokesperson, who is not comfortable with his ability to speak and stutter. David, adulterer, murderer, becomes a man after God's own heart. Rahab, a prostitute, becomes a key person to protect God's people. Jonah runs from God. Peter denies Jesus. Paul persecutes the church. And God uses all of them. And Jesus says this. Notice verse 47. He's, he's telling the whole story. And then he says this. He comes to this, this kind of so what? So I've told all this. Now, here's what you need to know. Repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all the nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are my witnesses. It goes from past tense to future, present and future. This is who I've used. This is what we've been doing. Now it's a new day. I need you. And he recruits them to be his witnesses. We are God's witnesses. And this should not surprise us. God wants to use us. I love what the Apostle Paul said to one church, the Corinthian church. He said this, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. 
Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. He chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. Hasn't it been good news to see that God uses unlikely people like us? You and I can be thinking about all the reasons why we think, ah, I'm not sure I qualify to be used by God. I'm not sure I'm ready to be used by God. I'm not sure I have the background that God would want to use. I'm not sure I have the skills, the gifts, the abilities that God would want to use. On your note page, there is a black box. And here's what I want to invite you to do as we remember and celebrate. I want you to think about this question. What do you think disqualifies you from playing an important role in God's story? Now think about this question. As you think about this question, is it your past? Is it something that's happened? Is it your present? Is it it a current struggle? Is it confidence or worthiness, fatigue, lack of faith, lack of skills, unawareness? And the reason we put a black box is this. I I want to encourage you to write a word in that black box that really is just for you and God. It's It's a place of confession where you can say, I don't know why this holds me back, but I feel like this, Lord, is what's holding me back from being used fully by you. I want you to take a moment and think about that. As we think about this, remember something. Nothing, nothing can separate you from his love. Nothing can separate you from his love. Tell him what is holding you back. Confess that, but celebrate the fact that God uses people like us to tell his story, to accomplish his work, to reveal to the nations how good he is. He uses the weak. He uses the lowly. He uses the poor. He uses the broken. God wants to use us. Now, it's interesting. We came to the last chapters, and we were going through kind of the book of Acts, and I don't know if you noticed this, but as we got to the book of Acts, you got to chapter 28, and it kind of just stopped, right? Uh, there, there's kind of this sudden ending, and it's, it's kind of interesting because as Luke is teaching, as Luke is going through a writing, it goes from he's talking about everyone, and then he starts using we language. And so we know that as, as Luke is writing this, the book of Acts, that he's, he's part of this story. He's now in the story. And it just kind of stops. There's kind of this moment, and, and scholars have always kind of wondered why it just kind of stops. But we come to this place where we start to see something, that the story isn't over. Here's our last thing I want you to see. God's story isn't over because more people need to hear it. See, you and I are Acts 29 and Acts 30 and Acts 31, etc., you and I are still living out this story. We picked this song with the kids uh, because we wanted just to take, take us back to that idea that the, the story isn't over yet. 
that there's still something that God is, is doing. God is using us still to tell his story. More people need to hear it. Uh, today, we're going to be baptizing 16 uh, people. And one of the people that we're baptizing was fun to just hear her story. Because as God began to work in her life four years ago, uh, she was here and, and it was uh, a Sunday. Uh, Rose, some of you know Rose uh, was here and she was sharing a little bit about her ministry. And her heart was just so gripped by what the church was doing and what Rose was doing. And so she was intrigued and came back. And as God began to work in her heart, now it's really interesting if you come to the 945 service, you can't sit in rows three or four here because there's 17 people who now fill those rows. That one person, her eight to 15 is actually eight to 17. Uh, so she, there's 17 people now coming as a result of God working in her life. And it easily for her to disqualify herself and think that, that even that God would work in her, let alone God work through her. But now God has worked through her family, through all kinds of ways. And the same thing is true for us. Notice how Jesus ends this, what he says. He says, I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. He says, look, I I have something for you to do. Remember, he says, you're going to be my witnesses. But notice what he says, I'm going to be with you and I'm going to give you power for this. You will not do this with your own strength. We know in Acts 1 as it begins, as Jesus goes from this beginning moment to the end of these 40 days when he's with them, he reminds them of what he, where he started. Remember Acts 1.8 said this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So understand something about you and your dynamic. So if you have surrendered your life to Jesus, you have become his follower, something happened in you. Uh, It wasn't just like something happened in heaven. It wasn't just your name in the book of life and you're declared innocent. Something happened in you. You were filled with the Holy Spirit. God's Spirit now dwells within you. And so God's Spirit wants to push and power you towards being a witness. It's part of now your new identity because Jesus dwells within you. The, the God himself dwells within you. And so the Spirit is nudging and shoving and pushing us in a good way towards the people who still need to hear. And when we respond to that, we are living in rhythm with God. We've been given power and we've been given a role. And so these next, these final chapters of Acts begin now. We have a power to bless the world, to help tell this story. As we've been seeing, God's story is made up of thousands, millions of little stories. And our stories are a part of this. So here's how I want to end with us. I want to ask you this question. And we're going to have a response through our whole church today in response to this question. And the question is this, where do I fit into God's story? Where do I fit into God's story? You have a role to play, but sometimes when we hear God invite us, that role sounds crazy. It sounds sounds scary. It even sounds foolish. But I want you to remember, these are words that describe you. The Apostle Paul wrote this to the Ephesian church to describe God's people. He says this. He says that when when we come to salvation by, by, by faith, 
because of the grace of God, uh, when we experience that, you notice what he says. He says then that we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do God's work, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And that word handiwork there could be translated masterpiece. It's the Greek word poema, where we get the word poem. That you were crafted with purpose. You were created by a, 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 a creative who, who thought about who you are, who crafted you to be who you are, and you are crafted for good works, works that God has prepared for you in advance. You are not an accident. You have been, been created with purpose, and you can tell God's story in a way that no one else in this room and no one else on this earth can quite tell it. Your experiences, your gifts, your passions, your personality, you can tell God's story in ways that anyone else in the room can't quite do it. And so it takes faith to pursue that purpose because sometimes when we hear God and we feel God nudging us, we feel like this seems awkward. It seems a little foolish to be doing this. But can I ask you to think about the story a little bit? Think about what we've seen in the story. Noah looked foolish building an ark in the desert Sarah looked foolish buying maternity clothes at 90. Moses looked foolish asking Pharaoh to let the slaves go. The Israelite army looked foolish marching around Jericho blowing trumpets. David looked foolish attacking Goliath with a slingshot. The wise men looked foolish following a star to Timbuktu. Peter looked foolish stepping out of the boat in the middle of the lake in the middle of the night. And Jesus looked foolhardy hanging half naked on the cross. But the results speak for themselves, don't they? Noah stayed afloat during the flood. Sarah gave birth to Isaac. Moses delivered Israel out of Egypt. The walls of Jericho came tumbling down. David defeated Goliath. The wise men found the Messiah. Peter walked on water and Jesus rose from the dead. If you aren't willing to look foolish, you're foolish. And that's why so many people have never built an ark or killed a giant or walked on water. Are you willing to do something daring, something courageous, something maybe even foolish because the Spirit of God is prompting you? Where do you fit into God's story? So our ushers in a moment are going to come. Uh, they're going to pass uh, the baskets again. But this time what they're going to pass, the, as the baskets come, I want you, instead of putting something in, I want you to grab something out. There's going to be a sticker. Uh, they're different color stickers. If you need a pen, you can grab a pen out of there too. There's also pens in front of you. But what we're going to ask you to do is this. We're going to ask you to think about how to respond to this question by writing a response on the sticker. Out in the lobby, we have a banner. And the banner, if you've been following it, has all this kind of tracks our journey together through the story. And as you, you guys can come ahead and start, start passing them. And the banner reminds us of this, this journey that we have been on. But I don't know if you've noticed that at the very bottom, it says this, where do I fit into God's story? And so what we're inviting you to do is to think of a response. You don't have to put your name on it. But as the service ends, in just a moment, we'll be finishing up. As you leave, what we're asking you to do is take your sticker and stick it on that part of the banner. 
It's a way for us to remember what God has been prompting in our hearts. It's a way for us to celebrate how God is working among us. But this is an opportunity. And so write on the sticker a word or a few words. You don't have to have your name. Here's some examples of maybe some things you might write. You might talk about uh, this might have have brought a, a desire in you to study the Bible more. It might have brought into you a desire to make an impact at, at your work or school or in your neighborhood. Maybe you realize it's time for you to, to join God and to be part of his storytelling, to be a part of a ministry. And, and this is the prompting that you needed was to begin working with kids or youth or some other, be a life group leader. Uh, and maybe even for some of you, you're willing to say, Lord, I'm willing to go wherever you want. I'll be a missionary in my neighborhood. I'll be a missionary at my workplace. But if you need to pick me up and move me to a different part of the world, as much as I like Orange County, I'll go. And place that response on there. See, God is inviting us to live out his story at home and at work and at school. He's inviting us to to, uh, live these things out wherever we are. And so I want to read to you uh, page 471 of the story, this last page that we have. It's called the epilogue. It's the conclusion of the story. And so as you're listening to these words, and you can read along on the screen with me, as we think about these last words, the story comes to a place, a challenge of what, what will be written next. And so we, these words is how the story ends. Page 471, it says this, The story has come to an end, and God's message rings loud and clear. I have opened the door. I have made a way. Come to me and have life. The good news has gone out to the world. Jesus has come to provide salvation for all. All of God's story has led up to this ultimate news that we can experience and share with others. It has survived for thousands of years, marching forth to all cultures and peoples, leaving behind the incredible wake of transformation and change. Many have tried to put out its fire, but God's words have proven to be true. My word will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. And now God's triumphant word has found its way to you. You've read the story. You've heard the truth. You've come face to face with the most important message you will ever hear. Jesus, God's son, came, lived, died, and rose again. So now the question remains, what will you do with the story? Will you turn away and dismiss it like an interesting tale? Will you block out its light that shines so brightly? Or will you take a step down the narrow path that leads to to unimaginable glory. Jesus tells us, enter through the narrow gate. Small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. Will you be one of the few? The chapter bearing your name is about to be written. In these final moments, uh, Kathy's just going to play lightly for about 90 seconds. Don't, be, don't worry. Uh, don't panic. But just Pray. And just ask, Lord, where do I fit? What's next? And let me say this. If for you, what it means for you to be, uh, where you fit in the story is to say, I've heard all this. I've been following this. But now it's time for me to do something with it. Today, I'm committing my life to following Jesus. Then write that down on on your sticker. Uh, Express that. And place that on there. 
and, and come talk to me. Let me know so that we can walk in that with you. But let me pray for you as you have a moment of reflection. Kathy will play and then we'll close with a final song. And so, Lord, in these final moments, just bring to light that which your spirit is, is hinting at, nudging at, uh, maybe even screaming at in our lives. Lord, we want to not just hear your word, but we want to obey it. We want to respond to it. And so bring these things to light, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Take a moment to reflect, and then we'll close.